94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. And we have with us the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, the Dr. Lieutenant Governor, Josh Green. Hello, Hello. sir. Hey, good morning. How are Aloha. you feeling? I feel great now. Yeah. Um, I like I turned the corner on uh, Wednesday afternoon. I don't, it was it was kind of crazy. I, I went from feeling super fatigued just to suddenly my energy started coming back and I didn't feel anything negative. And then yesterday was good. And today I even got up on my treadmill and I wow. uh, ran for an hour. So nice. I guess after, after about a week, you know, you start getting better if you're lucky. And I'm, I'm feeling real grateful. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's been an eventful week. <laughs> because on Friday you were here, mm-hmm. and then um, yeah, can you give people some updates on uh, the the status for like Esme and stuff? Because I know, but uh, you know, yeah, I think Esme would be fine with me sharing that she's negative. In fact, everyone that I, I came into contact with, or my team came into contact with, everybody has been negative. Thank goodness, and mm-hmm. we're just so grateful that we did wear masks, uh, with the single exception of when we were doing some you know, broadcasting, because it's, as you know, very difficult to broadcast in a mask. It's it's not really consistent with what we do as um, communications people when we're in that space, you mm-hmm. much more than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was quite ironic. Uh, you, My time with you last week, exactly a week ago, this hour, uh, a week ago today, uh, we were kind of sailing along, felt fine, went over to your studio like our usual plan is, and uh, did the show. We demonstrated how to actually do a COVID test. This has got to be the ultimate irony uh, <laughs> yeah. that we were, you know, that we were doing a demonstration on the the surge testing. And I got back to work, and about an hour later, at nine thirty in the morning, got a call from from my team that stand down, everybody separate, and we have news that one of our dear friends on the team tested positive for COVID. So. We immediately, within a half hour, all got tested and just uh, waited. I waited in my office for basically eight hours or ten hours alone until the result came back. And sure enough, we tested positive for COVID. So I really wasn't feeling much in the way of symptoms that day at all. Nothing. Just I was fatigued two days before that. So we then made all the calls, started contact tracing everybody. And I guess that's how the system is supposed to work. If you catch it early you don't see a lot of spread. If you wear a mask, you don't see any spread. If you don't test and you don't contact trace, it spreads to all heck and it goes everywhere, which is what we saw in July and August. So I tell you, I've learned a lot from personal experience and from practical experience about how we got to deal with this. So now speaking of uh, practical experience, uh, once again, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us here. So how does this work? Because Esme's been out, uh, technically she needs to be out for two weeks. Uh, she's had the COVID test and she's negative. Um, yes. So people are like, are you going to go back to work? No, nah, the way it works, first, uh, Esme and my wife and family and everybody's in the same boat. If you are a close contact of a confirmed positive case of COVID, in which this case it was me, if you're a close contact, which means more than 15 minutes and less than six feet proximity, although we tried to keep six feet between us, wasn't perfect, then... Even if you test negative, because of the, uh, the infectious nature of the disease and because you could test positive later, we're very careful. And so everyone stays in isolation for two weeks from a close contact. So my wife is also the same thing. She was 
close contacts with me, as were my kids, and so we're all holed up here at home. In fact, I'm separate from them. I'm staying in my, my son's bedroom, Sammy's bedroom, so that I don't infect anybody or anything. Uh, so that's two weeks. Now, this will be perhaps interesting to people. As of this morning, I'm told by my physician that because I've been asymptomatic now for more than 24 hours, and it's been 10 days since my, uh, my minor symptoms started, that's when the CDC clears you. But I'm still going to do the extra week in isolation because I think it's just safer and more fair, just given the fact that I see a lot of people. And I don't want to take any risks for anybody. So I'll stay home for an extra week. Uh, but that's, that's the deal. And it's, it's meant to really decrease the probability of spread. It's tough, though. Two weeks in, in home isolation is tough on anybody. Mm, I know. I can. I can only imagine. Uh, okay, so we're going to pivot a little bit because um, there's also been stuff that's been happening uh, in the state with regards to openings, non-openings, stuff like that. Uh, do you want to share any of that with us? Yeah, uh, kind of interesting week. Uh, the Gov put me in charge with General Hara and Dr. Libby Char, who's our Director of Health, with a special assist from Dr. Jenny Pressler, who's going to be an executive uh, leader for our team. Also, put us in charge of really making sure we we hammer home this plan and so we're going to open up to trans-pacific travel on the 15th of october period we're going to do it with a test uh, test uh, within three days of travel people within three days before travel they will have to have a negative test that will decrease the significant number of cases that are out there by a lot i personally believe it's 70 percent i've looked at the numbers it will make us a lot safer, and we believe that only about one out of a thousand people would likely still be an asymptomatic you know, person that comes into Hawaii that for some reason still tested negative. Very low, very low probability if you actually think it through. That way we can stay safe and begin, just begin to open our economy up. But we'll have all sorts of other measures of safety and security. We're going to do massive screening of everybody, temperature, history, making sure we know where they're staying, how we can contact them, so we can contact Trace in a moment's notice if we ever do find out that someone was sick. All these things will go into place because sooner or later, I I just want to be candid, I know it's controversial, but sooner or later we have to have some of our economy return. There's just too many people struggling, suffering, suffering terrible psychological difficulties, economic difficulties, so we will open up. Also, we're going to be dealing with some significant decisions in the coming weeks. We have to decide about the inter-island travel quarantine. That's really the responsibility of the mayors to share that and their perspective with the gov. We will deal this coming Thursday. I'm sure that the mayor and the governor will make some adjustments to the stay-at-home order. And all of these things are happening very much in real time as we also look at the big picture on schools and whatnot. But my role is going to be two major things making sure we have a seamless opening best we can with a safe test so that nobody comes in positive, one, and two, preparing a vaccination plan, which will be optional for people if they want to get the vaccine once it's ready so that when we can get a vaccination for COVID, we're among the first in the country to do it. That's great. Uh, Devin and Melanie here with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green on Kumu Kokua. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, uh, can you share a little bit more about the tracing program? Because that's kind of started back up, right? Yes, they're doing great, actually. I tell you, uh, when we made the changes in the leadership structure at the Department of Health, and sometimes you just have to take some people off the bench, you know, that's, let's just be honest. So Dr. Emily Roberson, fresh, fresh face, fresh perspective, doing great. 
There are well over 200 people statewide now. Remember, we were only at 16 when we were in the middle of that crisis, which was really an abomination. So we're now over 200. They are on it. I mean, it's difficult for me to extrapolate my experience from this, but they call me every single day. They check on me. They check on everybody that I was in contact with. We tested everybody. We're, of course, supporting that effort. And they are really doing everything they can to catch up. Also, our active case count has begun to drop as we ramp up the contact tracing and testing programs. So it's what I was expressing on the radio last week and on TV that we had to do. Because going forward, everyone's asking themselves, I think, so what's going to be different You know, when we open up? How are we going to avoid having a surge again? Mm-hmm. And the way to prevent a surge is to do somewhat fewer stupid things, like getting together in groups of 100 on the beach. That's no good. Mm-hmm. And then also... We have to be able to quickly contact, trace, and test exactly like it happened with me and my family. We have to immediately be all over that so that everybody who possibly could have been in contact, who's at any risk at all, goes home, you test them, you test the close contacts, they, they ride it out, and you don't get any spread. None. I mean, it's actually a little bit I, – I figured a few people would catch the disease from our team just because probabilities, but – the idea, the idea behind all of this strategy here and across the country and across the world is if you can test and trace well, you can really contain the virus. And if you wear masks religiously, then you win, you beat it, and your country goes back to normal or your state goes back to normal. And that's what we're doing. So Emily's doing great. We have a volunteer squad over there of up to about 50 people from my staff and people from the churches and the medical community, just giving the Department of Health some extra aid and some respite and doing some of the basic calling work, the easier stuff, so that they can get a breather from time to time and, you know, send in a pizza or two occasionally. And they're really, you know, we're bucking them up. They're doing great. It's not going to be easy, but they're doing a great job now. Okay. My, my thinking in this is, okay, so you're fortunate we kind of dodged a bullet here. Uh, you know, no one that you came into contact with actually caught it. But there are probably going to be some people saying, well, see, we're good. Let's just open everything up. Well, I'll tell you, I was, uh, I think about that, you know, I was pretty sick for a couple of days and I'm 50 years old and except for being a little chubby in very good shape. I exercise 10 miles a day. I do eat too much pizza, I guess. But aside from that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty healthy and likely to get through this. Meanwhile, you can get very sick, really sick. I've seen just dozens and dozens of people, in fact, hundreds of people end up in the intensive care unit from what's it otherwise to some people, it seems like an innocuous uh, virus. So we do have to open up, but we have to open up in a way that's co- totally safe with extra protection, testing, tracing, and mask wearing. So to that extent, I am willing to concede the point that we should open up, but we should open up with absolute diligence. And if people think we should just open up, you know, like the dudes that are protesting and waving um, MAGA hats and stuff on the side of the road and mm-hmm. saying, don't wear a mask and mm-hmm. open up. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not right. I mean, I tell you that they should they should contemplate for a second what it would mean to, to give the virus to their their wife or their mom, which would kill her. I mean, it's bad. It is really dangerous if you're older and if you can't fight back infection. So I say, yes, open up and open up with extreme care and caution mm-hmm. and be fairly conservative about it. And you can make some good decisions, for instance. If you are not allowing close contact inside closed spaces, you decrease the risk. So 
tiny little restaurants that don't have good ventilation, bad idea. Outdoor dining, takeout, uh, stores that have enough space for people to move about while people are wearing a mask, fine. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can see what is risky and what's not risky. And obviously that would inform us that, yes, going out and walking, you know, holding hands with your honey and, and walking on the beach and, and, and at the park, totally fine. But don't go and have a big luau with 46 people that you haven't seen in a while because you'll spread it. So we make common sense decisions, hopefully, and then we'll be we'll get through it because it's not just the virus. I can tell you that one of the greatest challenges of having COVID is extreme isolation. So I've been in, you know, a nine by 10 bedroom, which is about the measurements of my boy's bedroom for seven days and it starts getting to you and you, you know, you worry about people and you worry about not being at your job and, and just it's difficult. So I, you know, I'm empathetic that we have to move forward as society. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we also just received a question actually from someone who's listening in um, asking if people that you, for example, came into contact with still need to quarantine for 14 days, even if they receive a negative test um, prior to that two week period. Um, how come people would be able to test negative within 72 hours prior to arriving here and then be able to circumvent that quarantine as well? The reason is because those people did not have a, there's a big distinction. Those people mm-hmm. did not have any contact. Mm-hmm. If, if they had had a contact with somebody that was positive, they would not be able to, they'd be in 14 day home quarantine in their own state. Mm-hmm. So they're apples and oranges. Uh, the person is trying to make a point. I do believe though, that is the following. How can you be sure? Yeah. Well, you can't be sure, but what you can be sure of is if someone gets a negative test within three days of travel, that means that, first of all, the tests are very reliable. We're talking about the sensitivity of these tests, 95, 96, 99 percent. Mm-hmm. So very reliable tests. That means that you'd have to look at the probability that in the three days or two days or one day between the test and travel, they got so unlucky that they caught the virus. And even then, by the way, they're not going to be infectious for five days, usually, mm-hmm. just so you know. So it, it's lowering the risk by a large uh, order of magnitude. And that's all you can do with these viruses. You can't have guaranteed, you know, 100% certainty, but you can lower the risk and lower the concern. And meanwhile, of course, we will also provide 100% state-of-art, state-of-the-art care and testing if, God forbid, someone does fly over here and mm-hmm. halfway through their trip, they get symptomatic. To tell you the truth, they're probably going to, if that happens, it's because they ran into somebody in Hawaii who was sick. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they actually caught it from one of us. It's not going to be that they caught it from their stewardess on the plane. That's yeah. just not going to be the circumstance. So what we're, do, what we're saying is, and I guess I'm oversimplifying here, but I will say it this way. In looking at the data that they had in Alaska and other places, the probability that a person who gets a test, negative, negative test, three days before making a trip, who's asymptomatic, who goes through all the other screenings, the probability is about one in a thousand. One in a thousand that that person or a person would show up with asymptomatic COVID. So if 10,000 people come, 10,000 people, that means we might have 10 asymptomatic individuals in Hawaii who are basically sticking to themselves, walking around, but they're not high risk. It's not perfect, but it is a trade-off, which is, are we going to stay economically closed for good, Mm -hmm. or are we going to manage a healthcare system? We've been surviving with 
as high as 300 people a day, which was terrible. Uh, are we going to manage our lives? And I don't think in this global community you can get down to zero. If I can yes. figure out a way to drop that 10 down to three, it'd be even better. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank yeah. you very much. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us here. Uh, Kumu Kokua. Got a couple questions that came to us on Facebook uh, from Joseph Cam. Uh, he wants to know if they can only if they can only use CVS or Kaiser for the, that three-day test. He says, if I found another health group in Vegas uh, that would do it for free, what is the criteria they need to meet? Uh, great question. Yes, you can go to anyone you want, anyone, as long as the test meets the criteria. And the test is very clear. It's a nucleic acid amplification test. That definition is on the CDC and the FDA website and our Department of Health website. That's all the main tests. That's the PCR test. They're all NAAT tests. Mm -hmm. And it has to be a CLIA certified lab. And so most labs are CLIA certified or CLIA approved. We use either word. And they will be in that NAAT test. Now, there are these other kinds of tests, like the antibody tests do not count. You cannot use an antibody test or the antigen tests do not count yet. These are the nucleic acid amplification tests, NAAT, and they'll be able to check it at their lab and you can check it on the internet real quickly. We'll put up some good examples over time and you can imagine starting next week, we're gonna have a very big blitz of communications so that people get the idea. It's pretty much, if you get the standard good test, you're gonna be getting it approved and we'll have those big partners, but you could also go to your regular doc. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. Uh, we've got time for one more question, um, because uh, I know you do have to run, but uh, what's your thoughts on the metric numbers for opening schools? I'm going to trust that the Department of Health, who is working way harder now than ever with the Department of Education, has a good plan. I have a, an incredible amount of faith in Dr. Char. Uh, Dr. Kishimoto, who is our, our superintendent, is working her butt off to make sure that things are safe. I'm still not going to begrudge people if they decide as teachers or parents or students that they would rather wait through a second quarter and do distance learning. But I do think that we will have enough in place to give people at least some confidence that we can, number one, use those metrics to have tracing and testing around any possible scare, kind of just like what I went through. So Mm -hmm. we immediately put any little fires out. Mm -hmm. I think it's, again, a part of a process. I think you're looking at some people will go back to the classroom in the second quarter and then almost everybody after the new year. That's what I think we'll actually experience. Okay. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Joining us here, as always, on the uh, Kumu Kukua segment we have for you every Friday where you get to find out what's going on with regards to the whole COVID-19 thing. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, glad you're okay. Yes. Glad you're on Thank the mend. You. Feeling good. Um, look hey, forward I, to talking I, to you I again really next appreciate Friday. it. Yeah, no yeah. problem. You guys call me when you need me, and I should have a lot more updates for you next week on actually dealing with the COVID crisis. Don't worry about me, but thank you, everyone, for the well wishes. I so appreciate it. All right, awesome. Once again, Kumu Kukua with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Wake up, Wake up. with 94.7 Kumu and the Rise and Drive Morning Show.